And now, it's time for the Tim Donnelly Show on the talk of the New River Valley, 1017, 1035, and 1460 WRAD. Welcome into the Tim Donnelly Show. Bright and early on a Monday morning. It is a new week. Go ahead and make it work for you. Uh, I'm Tim Donnelly alongside producer Lobro here inside the Mockadoo studio. Guests and callers join us on the Baker team hotline. That's 540-639-4900. Once again, the Baker team hotline, 540-639-4900. It is a Monday, January 20th. It is also Martin Luther King Day. Uh, so let's just uh, address that at the beginning. Uh, proper honoring, right? Put Make sure our, our minds are in the right spot. And, and uh, you know. One of the most influential figures in all of history. There you I go. Mean, it's amazing. I mean, I mean that's, uh, that's the best way to say it. His impact on society is still being felt today. And that's why a day like today, we, we stop, we pause, uh, and we acknowledge what this day means. So uh, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. To, to everyone out there, and, and hopefully you acknowledge that for most of you, it's not just a day where you don't have to go into work. Uh, it, it's, it's a day that, that deserves some reflection, some introspection, and some, uh, some honoring of a great figure in American history. It's also the day where we get to talk about the uh, NFL championship games, the conference championship games. But before that, we need to make sure we, we get you set up, get you covered for any conversation you might have if you bump into someone on your off day. It is Got You Covered. No one has time to catch all the games. Don't worry. Tim will get you covered. The NFL Conference Championships took place this past weekend, starting with the high-powered Chiefs offense against the ground and pound of the Titans. And once again, the Chiefs took a little bit longer to get out of bed. Took a little bit longer to get started than they would have liked. Found themselves down 10-0 against the Titans, and it was a different challenge than last week against Houston because the Titans presumably had a running game. However, the the Chiefs' defense was able to bottle up Derrick Henry to the tune of 19 carries for 69 yards, well below the 100 yards uh, plus per game that he has been tallying. So the Chiefs were able to hop on the back of their talented quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, who not only threw the ball up and down the field, but ran the ball eight times for 53 yards and a touchdown, including a 27-yard touchdown that absolutely changed the game. Patrick Mahomes led the Chiefs to a 35-24 victory over the Titans to punch Andy Reid and the Chiefs ticket back into the Super Bowl and once again clarify that not only is Patrick Mahomes a complete alien, he is the face of the NFL now and moving forward. Thanks, Tom Brady. The torch was awesome while you carried it, but go ahead and pass it on to the young buck in Kansas City. Elsewhere in the conference championships, the Niners absolutely lit up the Packers to the tune of a 37-20 victory that did not feel that close. It was a 37-20 victory that only included eight passes from Jimmy Garoppolo. Eight. In the modern NFL where passing is king, eight passes, six completions, 77 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions for Jimmy G. So you may be saying, how in the world did they get to 37 touchdowns? Raheem Mostert, 29 carries, 220 yards, Four touchdowns on the ground. If you can do that, fantastic. But I will say this. I would guess at some point in the Super Bowl, the 49ers will need Jimmy G to do more than be a game manager. Monster is great. Uh, Tevin Coleman got banged up. Whatever it is, the running game is awesome. The, the offensive line got, got work done. 
Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to do something. Pay attention to the Titans for maybe the future of the Niners, right? The Titans were great when Derrick Henry was running the ball all over everyone. As soon as he got bottled up, Ryan Tannehill wasn't enough to get him the win and punch their ticket into the Super Bowl. The Niners may have a running game that's great, but the moment that it's not, Jimmy G is going to have to be good enough to stand up and fight for what he wants. Hokey fans, buckle up, right? Last week we dealt with uh, all of the news about the Baylor interview for Coach Fuente. The moment that got resolved, I put out a tweet that said, what's the next story? Because we knew it wasn't going to be business as usual through spring ball. That's just not the way the Hokies have operated over the last month, over the last year, over the last half decade. There's always something on the burner. And sure enough, a little bit more than 24 hours after we, we shore up the Coach Fuente news, Damon Hazleton puts his name inside the transfer portal. Now, Damon Hazleton is, is a transfer in from Ball State, but since he's been on campus, he's been arguably the best offensive weapon that the Hokies have. He's good, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. I call him a light version of Michael Thomas, and he will be missed if his trip into the portal turns into a trip into a transfer. He will be missed, particularly in the red zone, where he and Dalton Keene brought the size the Hokies needed. Between the 20s, they have Trey Turner, they have uh, Tavion Robinson, they have some young talent. However, they don't have the size outside of James Mitchell now to throw jump balls in the end zone, and the fade has been arguably their best touchdown-getting play of the last few seasons. So Damon Hazleton in the transfer portal, it's just another day in the life of Hokies football, another hurdle that they're going to have to hop over. Also, for the Hokies, a 71-69 loss to Syracuse on Saturday to split the season series with Coach Bayheim and the Orange. And it all came down to one play. The Hokies played well enough to be in the mix at the end of the game against Syracuse. They had the ball down two with seven seconds left. And what happened? It was a horrendous execution of their final play. Maybe even been only down one. Either way, they were within a touch, or excuse me, within a score of getting the victory. They inbounded it to Landers Nolly. He threw it to Jalen Cohn on the wing, who threw it back to Landers Nolly. And from the logo at midcourt, he pulled up for a three, hit nothing but backboard. It was not the way the play was designed. It was not the way they were supposed to execute. They had options. They had time. The shot was put up with 4.5 seconds. It is a young team. I get it. That is not an excuse anymore. At the beginning of the year, I would have written this off as youth. However, when you play the way they've played through the beginning part of their schedule, they've shown that they're better than that, and we should expect better than that. It will be a fun hokey hour with those last few topics coming into play. Uh, Of course, hokey hour on this Martin Luther King Day is just like uh, at the same time as every other day, from 7 to 8 in the morning. Thank you for starting your Monday, starting your week, starting your holiday with us here on the WRAD Radio Network. I'm Tim Donnelly alongside producer Lobro here inside the Mockadoo studio. Uh, guests and callers do join us on the Baker team hotline, 540-639-4900. Now, you can't talk about this past weekend uh, in the sports world without talking about um, – without talking about the, the, the NFL Conference Championships, and that's where we're going to start, uh, particularly with the Chiefs, because the Chiefs have done something. They've proven something to me that is the, the ultimate luxury, the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card for a, a football team at any level. 
and it's it goes against every trope, every cliche, right? Captain Cliche out there is going to say you have to play four quarters of three-phase football. Four quarters where the offense, the defense, and the special teams all execute at a high level, and that's how you win football games, right? That's the cliche of it. That's what every coach is going to say. The Chiefs are out there proving that wrong. Right, The Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyron Matthew and, and Fuller uh, for Hokie fans and, and uh, Tyreek Hill and Mecole Hardman and Damian Williams, right? That, that whole team is proving that they don't have to play four quarters of football. They can play two quarters of their high-level, high-quality, explosive football and win games handily. The last two weeks combined, opposing teams have scored 34 points before Kansas City has gotten on the scoreboard. 24-0 against Houston. Houston had the lead. 10-0 against the Titans. Titans had the lead. That's 34 points before anyone in Kansas City scored a, a single point, a field goal, a safety, anything. And Kansas City won both games by double figures. They essentially don't play the first quarter. They essentially do not play their best football through the first quarter and then have it wrapped up by the fourth. They play the second and third quarter hard. That is a type of talent. That is a type of luxury that that football teams just don't enjoy. It's not normal. It's not the usual. It's not par for the course. The Chiefs are so explosive that they can pack four quarters of winning football into like 10 minutes. And and it comes in multiple different ways, right? Last week against Houston, it was three first-half touchdowns from Travis Kelsey. This week, it was two first-half touchdowns for Tyreek Hill. It was rushing from Patrick Mahomes. It was chucking it deep from Patrick Mahomes. It was Sammy Watkins from Patrick Mahomes. It's... it's, borderline unfair for the Titans to have won that game. They were going to have to play four great quarters. The chiefs won that game playing like two and a half. The the measures of success are different for these two teams. And, and they can beat you so many ways. Uh, obviously the, the, the play that stands out in my mind, you would think when you have Patrick Mahomes, who we've already dubbed a complete alien, he's, he's, solidified, certified, triple stamp, a double stamp alien, which is the highest level of of compliment that this show gives. That's mostly because of his arm. That's mostly because he can be running full speed to his right, throw back across his body like a like a shortstop going into the gap between short and third, throw him back to first base, and, and he can put it on a dime from 35, 40, 45, 50 yards away. That's mostly why he's a... Uh, an alien, right? Because his arm talent is something that you don't see often. So it is unfair. It is unfair when he breaks off runs like his 27-yard touchdown that changed the game early in the game against against Tennessee. When he hits the hezzy, the hesitation juke, gets up the sideline, doesn't step out of bounds like most quarterbacks would, cuts it back inside, carries a guy into the end zone. It's unfair. The Chiefs in back-to-back weeks 
were trailing by double digits and won by double digits against teams that that are no slouch, right? Houston has talent. Deshaun Watson is a good quarterback. That defense has talent. The Titans took down Bill Belichick and the Patriots, the number one team in the last 20 years. They took down John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, and, and the Baltimore Ravens, the number one team this year. Like, they're no slouch. And the Chiefs said, yeah, we'll play about two and a half good quarters and smoke you. If I were the San Francisco 49ers, I would be quaking in my Levi's. If I were the San Francisco 49ers, I would be quaking in my Levi's knowing that I have to play four great quarters and they only have to play two and a half. Right? They're coming to to the plate, the the Niners are, with nobody on base and they got to get all the way around. The Chiefs always have a guy on second base. They're already in scoring position because at any point in time, Sammy Watkins, Nicole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, any of them can score from anywhere on the field because Patrick Mahomes has that ability. But there isn't a, a secondary part here, and I want to be clear. It's not just exciting because Patrick Mahomes and that offense can explode. It's also exciting because their defense is making progress, and that's what we're going to talk about when we come back right here on the Tim Donnelly Show, WRAD Radio Network, bright and early on a Monday. Stick around. All your Hokie news in one place. Tune into the Hokie Hour, weekday mornings at 7 on WRAD. Tim Donnelly Show is back here on the talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101-7-1035 and 14.60 a.m. Now, if this were ancient Roman times, right? If if this were uh, the the round of King Arthur's round table, then the poets of the area would write epic poems about the Kansas City Chiefs offense. They would wax poetic with flowery language and pass it from town to town. However, the true wisdom-filled elders, right, the Socrateses of their time, would be able to watch that game and say, yeah, the, the, the stars of the show were the offense, right? If this were the, the, the Iliad, Right, the offense would be Achilles and would be uh, Hector and would be the the big names right at the front. But the the ones that actually won the war were the infantrymen, right? Were the the thousands and thousands that 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 helped, right? The thirty men that went inside the Trojan horse, whose name we do not know, but were every bit as vital to victory. That would be the Chiefs' defense. It may not be as fun to gather around a town and, 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 and spin yarns about the, the trials and tribulations of a defense that gave up 24 points, but it is worth mentioning that Derrick Henry, who would have been the Achilles of the Titans, who would have been the Hector of the Titans, the biggest and baddest and most scary warrior on the planet, went for just 19 carries and 69 yards with one very early touchdown. The Chiefs' defense was able to bottle him up. The Chiefs' defense 
was able to make every yard more difficult for Derrick Henry than the past defenses has made had made it. Right? And it's and it's 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 not just the the you know the linebackers or the secondary or even the defensive line. It was everybody. Right? It was turning what used to be a four yard run for Derrick Henry into a three yard run. It was turning what used to be a seven-yard run into a a five-and-a-half-yard run. It was turning what used to be a first down into just a couple yards short of the first down. It was the little things for that Kansas City Chiefs defense led by new defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo, who is one of the, the names that has been passed around this league a few times. He is a, a, a very impressive person for what he was able to do to Derrick Henry when good coaches and good defenses in the past had not been able to do that. I was having a conversation with someone who's, who's in high-level defense over the weekend, uh, w- works for a team, so, so uh, off the record or whatever, but I'm going to tell you the story just without attaching his name to it. Um, he basically said defense in modern football is impossible. He basically said, defense in modern football is impossible. When you look at the NFL, and, and even if you look at high-level college, you know the schemes are so good, the rules are so tailored to, to help the offense that, I mean, being a defensive coordinator is, is I mean, it's got to be the most frustrating thing on the planet. It's got to be the most frustrating thing on the planet. When, when, you, when you have... Andy Reid or or Matt LaFleur or Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or any of the copycats of those guys that exist drawing up plays to beat you and to take advantage of your of your weaknesses it has to be so incredibly frustrating but the thing is it comes down to one stop right if you have Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy uh, creating your offense all you have to do is stop them one less time than they can stop or excuse me, one more time, then they can stop Reed and Biennemi's offense. That's it. So, so the, the, the value in a defensive coordinator used to be shutouts, right? It used to be holding teams under 14 points. It used to be holding teams under 20. That is becoming less and less possible. The value in a defensive coordinator now is one less touchdown. The value in a defensive coordinator is one perfect drive. Where, where you get a three and out. The value in a defensive coordinator is what Steve Spagnuolo was able to do, which is uh, taking what the other team does best and making it 10 degrees more difficult. Making it just a little bit, one-tenth more difficult. Derrick Henry ran through defenses like a hot knife through butter the last two weeks. Against the Chiefs, it wasn't like suddenly they were cutting through rock. Right? It's not like they were going through... Uh, uh, you know, diamond or glass. It was just now it was a cold knife through butter. Just a little bit more difficult. Took him a little bit more effort. Took him a little bit more time. And that made all the difference. So I'm not saying the Chiefs are out here like the 85 Bears, the Legion of Boom, led by Cam Chancellor, Seattle Seahawks, or the, the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed Ravens. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they did what the Patriots and the Ravens couldn't, which was come up with one more stop against Derrick Henry. Make make Ryan Tannehill be 10% better. And the Titans couldn't do it. 
So you have to give credit to the Chiefs, even knowing that that 30 years from now, when we're telling the story of the 2019-2020 Kansas City Chiefs making it to a Super Bowl and maybe winning a Super Bowl, we will be waxing poetic about the offense and telling the stories of Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill when in actuality a large part of their victory is the defense, the side of the football that no one wants to talk about. We're going to take a break when we come back. Hokey fans can learn something from the Chiefs. How about that? Next. Tim Donnelly Show back. Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM. Hokey fans, this isn't quite Hokey Hour, but we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to talk directly to the Hokey fans. Okay? This year, Brad Cornelson, the, the offensive coordinator, play caller for the Hokies, took an absolute beating, right? Uh, every single play call wasn't right. Uh, and and some of it was warranted, right? I, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't jump on that bandwagon occasionally. Uh, occasionally, there was a time where the situation, down and distance, defensive scheme, game situation, called for a better play call than the Hokies received. So I'm not here to say he, you know, he's without fault. But I am here to say that there is a group think in Hokie Nation that is dangerous. Right, and 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 for those of you that don't know what groupthink is, it's basically you get a group of people together. A few of them have an opinion, and everyone else believe it's true because those others had an opinion, and suddenly everyone's thinking it. It's it's mob mentality. And 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 one of the things this year that took an absolute beating was the jet sweep. Was the jet sweep? Every single time the Hokies called it. I don't care if it was a 57-yard run from Trey Turner, of which there was a 57-yard run from Trey Turner on a jet sweep. I don't care if it was a first down from Tavion Robinson, of which there were first down runs on jet sweeps from Tavion Robinson. I don't care what the result was. As soon as a jet sweep was called, everyone and their hokey fan mother was saying, oh gosh, another jet sweep. Oh, what a terrible play call. Stop running the jet sweep. I've seen respected reporters making jet sweep jokes. People that I believe know things about football making jet sweep jokes. And it's not the jet sweep's fault. And you want proof? Yesterday, when the Chiefs absolutely needed a touchdown, early in the game, before they started really lighten up the Tennessee Titans. When they absolutely needed a touchdown, they ran two jet sweeps on the same drive. The same drive. Nice little eight-yard pickup to Mecole Hardman. I post about the jet sweep, and everyone, oh, but they don't run it every other play. Ah, oh, they don't run it that often. Ah, oh, they don't run it this, that, and the other. And then later in the same drive from the eight-yard line in the red zone, a touchdown run to Tyreek Hill on the jet sweep. Later in the game, they score using the jet sweep motion to, to move the defense, and they run a counter off of it. It is a play that works. It is a play that if you run the spread offense, you need to have in your arsenal. And sometimes 
Get ready, everybody. This is going to sound crazy. Sometimes, even when it doesn't pick up the first down, it's still a necessary play call that needs to happen. Just like if you're a power running team, you need to run the ball to your running backs between the tackles, even if they're only picking up two yards a carry. Because if you don't, who's going to buy on play action? If you don't, what is the defense going to respect? You have to run. It's the same as if you were watching the Virginia Tech game against Syracuse on Saturday. They kept going to Abyssabidi in the middle of that zone. And early on in the game, he was catching it in the middle of the zone and looking to pass immediately. A few times he had to shoot it just so Syracuse had to guard him. Whether it went in or not, he had to shoot it. So when he caught it in the middle, Syracuse would think he might shoot this. If you are running the spread offense, you have to run the jet sweep occasionally, if only to make the other defense think you might run it. It is a good play. Don't immediately laugh at the play call without considering the situation. That's what you need to think about. Now, in certain instances, it is a bad play call, right? The, the, the example everyone wants to throw at me is against UVA, where they ran it down on the five-yard line on third down and goal. I get that that was a bad play call, but here's the thing. If they were willing to go for it on fourth down, if Coach Fuente had told the play caller, listen, even if you don't pick this up, we're going for it on fourth, then I'm fine with it. Take a chance knowing that you still have an opportunity to put the ball in the end zone through the air on fourth down. The Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy is one of the best play callers in the league today. Andy Reid is one of the innovators of offensive football whose influence on the game might be greater than, than any other offensive head coach in the league right now. Those guys are calling jet sweeps. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for Virginia Tech. And, 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 and here's the other thing, and I hate to tell you this, guys, but... Kevin Jones isn't walking through that stadium door. Ryan Williams, Darren Evans, Lee Suggs, Cedric Humes, Mike Emo, Brandon Orr, David Wilson. They're not walking through that stadium tunnel when, when Enter Sandman is playing. If they are, it's just to yell, let's go Hokies at the end of the first quarter. You don't have a running back, at least you didn't last year, that was going to get the ball 20 times between the tackles and pick up 100 yards. You needed to use your speed on the outside. And speed to the outside is inherently a more risky play than running up the middle. It is difficult to lose more than a yard on a, on a, quarter, or excuse me, a running back power. You're more likely to gain two yards at least. But at the same time, you're less likely to score an 80-yard touchdown. And, and the Hokies this year had speed at the wide receiver position, no between-the-tackles workhorse, and they needed big plays. dun dun dun, dun Jet sweeps. Look at the situation before you make fun. Immediately laughing makes you look uneducated, makes you look ignorant. If it's good enough for the Chiefs, which if you watch that offense, goodness gracious, if it's good enough for the Chiefs, it's good enough for the Hokies. 
Yeah, I mean, why would you want to model your offense after one of the greatest play call, uh, play designers and, and greatest play callers right now? Why would you want to model your offense after that? Why would you want to call similar plays to that? No, no, no. Let's let's give it to Deshaun McLeese and Keyshawn King between the tackles forty times and watch those undersized running backs just get pounded. Let's do. It's, come on. And I'm not even sitting like I I'm I'm just being realistic. I'm not piling on. I'm not saying the the play calling was perfect. I'm just saying that you can't predetermine how you feel about a play call based on the play. It has to be does the play fit the situation at hand? Does the defensive scheme tell you that this play should be successful? Is the down and distance one that makes sense? Does it fit your your style of play and does it fit your personnel? And if it does all of those things, even if the play call doesn't work, it was a good play call. Let's take a break. When we come back, there's a trend taking place in the NFL and college, and it's making me worry even more about the Hokies next year. Stick around. More of the Tim Donnelly Show next on WRAD. Welcome back in. Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7103.5, a.m. as well. I'm Tim Donnelly alongside producer Lobro here inside the Makadu Studio. Guests and callers join us on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Happy Martin Luther King Day, everybody. Uh, there's a, something I noticed when – wasn't even when I was watching the games, right? Because if you watch the, the Chiefs uh, or if you watch the Niners, these two names that I'm about to say would not have jumped out at you this weekend. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. But the funny part about it is the two teams in the Super Bowl have, I would say not even arguably, have unquestionably the two best tight ends in football. Whether you think it's one Kittle, two Kelsey, one Kelsey, two Kittle, whatever it is, one A, one B, I I think they are, and I actually know, they are the two best tight ends in football when you look at them from a complete tight end ability package standpoint. Can they block? Absolutely. Are they great blockers? Yes. Can they catch? Absolutely. Are they great pass catchers? Yes. Do they have statistical um, uh, arguments that back up each of them as the best tight end in the league? Absolutely. But then I started thinking, all right, so the two teams with the two best tight ends in the league made it to the Super Bowl. That's interesting. And I started thinking, let's go back to last Monday when the college football playoff championship took place between LSU um, and Clemson. Who absolutely blew that game open for Joe Burrow in the offense? It was Thad Moss, Randy Moss's son and tight end for LSU, who has already declared for the NFL draft. So, So the two teams that made it to the Super Bowl have the two best tight ends in the league. The, the, the difference in the college football playoff championship may very well have been a tight end. Is tight end becoming the most important non-quarterback position on planet Earth for football? Right? Are there unseen effects of, of what an offense can do when they have the threat of a tight end? And I would argue yes. The number one thing that an offense can be is multiple. And, and what I mean by that is versatile. What I mean by that is the ability to do many different things well at any point in time. And, and the number one way to do that is to be versatile in your personnel. If you have a tight end like Kittle, 
like Kelsey, like Moss, if you have a tight end like Dalton Keene, like James Mitchell for Virginia Tech fans, what that allows you to do is go from a pass-heavy set to a run-heavy set without having to substitute to be able to be in the huddle or be in the, the, the mosh before the play comes in from the sideline in the no huddle where players are just walking around and the defense doesn't know what you are going to do. Travis Kelsey is every bit as comfortable split out wide as he is an attached tight end. He is every bit as comfortable running a slant, running a deep hook, running a dig, running a seam as he is blocking down on a defensive end and and ticking to the linebacker. George Kittle will take an outside linebacker one-on-one and pancake him into the dirt just as quickly as he will catch an out, get up the sideline, and run somebody over. Thad Moss will block, will catch, will run with equal amounts of ability. And if you're a play caller, I mean, come on. I mean, that's, that's the dream. And it's funny because we don't think of tight end as one of those difference-making positions. If you look at the highest-paid players in the league, obviously quarterback is number one. That's never going to change. It's the most important position in sports. But then there's corners. There's pass rushers. There's tackles. Wide receivers. Right? Tight ends don't make that kind of money. Back in the day, and I'm saying back in the day like seven, eight, nine years ago, um, maybe even less, Jimmy Graham used to argue that he was a wide receiver instead of a tight end because he was a tight end that lined up split out because he believed that wide receivers got paid more, and they did. But if you look at what's happening today, if you look at the two teams in the Super Bowl, if you look at who won the national championship, if you look at which players played best and biggest roles in the game where Virginia Tech and their offense looked best and and, and most efficient, it was the tight end. So in the interest of Moneyball, right, in the interest of uh, both the Moneyball book and movie, if you are looking for value where other teams don't see it, which is how you win in a salary-capped sport. You have to find effect on winning that other teams aren't making you overpay for. Then tight end would be that position. You can get Travis Kelsey or George Kittle for significantly less than you can get Michael Thomas. And they're each the top of their, their position. And this year's playoffs would tell you that Kittle and Kelsey affect the game more dramatically. So if you're a Virginia Tech fan, think about it. Think about it. Right? How awesome was it when we said 43 out of 44 starters were returning from this past year's team, only to find out that Dalton Keene is going pro? Right? And having Dalton, you may say James Mitchell can step in. Think about this. When I was talking about multiple, when I was talking about being versatile in your personnel packages, if you had James Mitchell and Dalton Keene in a huddle, how would you treat that if you were an opposing defensive coordinator? If Virginia Tech is out there, they have wide receiver, wide receiver, James Mitchell, Dalton Keene running back as your, your, your five skill positions on the field. How do you, do you put in nickel because they're going to come out five wide and sling it because they could do that? 
do you put in Jumbo with an extra defensive lineman or an extra linebacker? Because they could come out with Dalton Keene attached to the line, James Mitchell in the backfield, uh, and a, a running back as well and go full power. Because they could do that as well. It's keeping it multiple. Think about the games when the Virginia Tech offense looked its best. Were those the games where the tight ends played a bigger role or a smaller role? You don't have to answer that question because I think we all know the answer. Tight ends are becoming more and more important. They're becoming the, uh, you know, Virginia Tech has had this for a long time, the safety linebacker hybrids. They're becoming the safety linebacker hybrids, which used to be something unusual, right? Used to be something that, that, that Bud Foster ran and, and everyone else was still catching up to. But now if you don't have those types of players, if you don't have the Isaiah Simmons on Clemson, if you don't have the Chamari Connors on Virginia Tech, if you don't have the, the I mean, it's on every NFL team. You don't have the Tony Jeffersons. You don't have the Minka Fitzpatricks. You don't have the, the, the guys that can play a little bit of both. You are at a severe disadvantage. Tight end is going to be that way. So, so you either put an emphasis on acquiring one now, developing them in your system, finding the players that can block, run, catch, do it all, inside, outside, backfield, or you wait until the other team is lighting you up because of it. I don't think it is a coincidence. I don't think it is big. some big, whoa, how did this happen? That, that the two teams with the best tight ends in the NFL are the only two teams still playing. And one of them will win a Super Bowl. Right And trust me, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey will be two of the most exciting people, not only in the game, but in the, the parade after the game. George Kittle will be doing his WWF thing. Travis Kelsey will be screaming, you got to fight for your right to party. Like he did on stage last night after winning the AFC Championship game. It is a new time for tight ends. Got a hint of Virginia Tech action there. Hokie Hour starts next. Stick around. Stick around. 